Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. There's a guy named William Scott. He was a Union Army soldier during the American Civil War. While on guard duty on August 31st, 1861, he was found asleep at his post, which was a crime punishable by death. Scott had volunteered, in all fairness, he had volunteered the night before to take a soldier's shift, and he was extremely tired from being up two nights in a row, but nevertheless, Scott was court-martialed and sentenced to death for falling asleep at his post. And his death sentence was this statement, quote, The duty of a sentinel is of such nature that its neglect by sleeping upon or deserting his post may endanger the safety of a command or even the entire army. Scott was ultimately pardoned by Abraham Lincoln and thus lived to tell about his tale. However, William Scott is forever known as the sleeping sentinel. Sadly, the church is filled with sleeping sentinels. Many Christians are asleep at the wheel, they're asleep at their post, and they're endangering the entire army of the living God. So Jude wrote his letter to a church that had fallen asleep while on duty, and they allowed false teachers to infiltrate and to slip in unnoticed. Today, part two, defending the faith, those who crept in unnoticed, when the church falls asleep, bad things happen. I began this series by talking about the importance of defending the faith that has been passed down to us. I tried to unpack some complicated doctrinal issues, namely regarding the person of Jesus Christ. I was pleasantly surprised when I read a post on our live stream from someone who watches with her children, and I asked her if she thought her children understood. And she answered by saying, I think they got it. They both said that Jesus is God all the way, Jesus is man all the way, stand up for him, and do what he says. I said, wow, really? (laughs) Praise God, the Holy Spirit revealed that to these young children. And I told her, I couldn't say it better myself. Jesus is God all the way. Jesus is man all the way. Stand up for him and do what he says. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when we don't stand up for Jesus, when we don't defend the faith, when we fall asleep while on duty. What happens? False teachers might creep in unnoticed. Now Jude, in this one verse, gives a description and explains these false teachers. And the first thing he says is that these false teachers are marked. They're marked out. He says this, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Now think back just a minute. Let's review. Jude was Jesus' half-brother and was very concerned about the health of the local church. And he, along with the other apostles, including his brother James, wrote many letters imploring the church to stay the course, to teach sound doctrine, don't listen to false prophets, and stop requesting tickly-ear sermons. 
And he implored them to defend the faith earnestly as if their life depended on it and not to fall asleep on duty. Because if they fell asleep on duty, certain false teachers would infiltrate the ranks and lead the sheep astray. So these false teachers were marked out for condemnation. So what is that word marked out? It could be written about. So they were written about. They were spoken about. In fact, the Apostle Paul, before he died, the last time he saw the elders of the church there, and he said, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So Paul warned the church. God warned the church. God warned Israel also about false prophets and teachers. Why are false prophets and why are false teachers so destructive? Well, imagine that you're dying and you write a final letter to your family. And in this letter, you share some very important information about who you are, about what you expect, about how much you love them, and how much you want that they carry on your legacy. And after you die, a person slips into your home unnoticed, steals your letter, and changes your message. And this person then shares his version of your letter to your family. Sadly, that's what happened to the church. Certain people slipped in unnoticed, and they started sharing their version of God's letter, the Bible, to the church. That's a serious crime. Because teachers are held to a higher judgment. In fact, Jude's brother James wrote this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Those who steal God's message for their own purpose will be judged accordingly. It's amazing to me how far off track the church has veered in such a short time. Someone in our church forwarded me an email, and in his email he mentioned that he had gone to the Episcopal Church website. And on the home page, it says, We have a legacy of inclusion, aspiring to tell and exemplify God's love for every human being. Now, that doesn't sound off base, right? They also include the Apostles' Creed in their statements and the Nicene Creed. But then it gets off base. If you go deeper into the website, you find queer theory, gender studies and religious practices, critical race theory, theology and practices, especially critical whiteness. That's false doctrine. That's worldly doctrine. That's not biblical doctrine. False teachers creep in into entire denominations and start teaching and leading the sheep astray. That's why it's so important to not fall asleep and allow these false teachers to creep in. In fact, Peter wrote, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. So that's interesting. 
The church might have fallen asleep, but God's not falling asleep on this. False teachers and false prophets will be judged accordingly. Secondly, these false teachers are ungodly. Now that's interesting because they're supposedly Christians. That's what they claim. But they're ungodly. Jude describes them as ungodly persons. This term he uses multiple times. It means to violate one's relationship toward God. So ungodly people live like there is no God. Interesting. Again, these are supposedly Christians. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, he describes these people the best, I think. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, outward appearance, but denying the power of godliness. What does Paul say? Have nothing to do with such people. You need to avoid these types of people like the plague. Okay? But what about when they infiltrate the church? You see, we expect that type of attitude and we expect that type of behavior from ungodly pagans. But we shouldn't expect it from Christians, especially Christians who want to become fully devoted followers of Christ. I've had experiences with many so-called believers who are ungodly. And I don't mean believers who act ungodly and realize their sin and repent. That's how we should do it if we act ungodly. I'm talking about people who claim to be believers but continuously violate their relationship with God and with God's people. They're divisive, gossips, untrustworthy, narcissistic, egocentric, harmful, toxic people. They love evil and hate good. Stay away from such people. And definitely stay away from such so-called teachers. Because they're only in it for themselves. And God will judge them. Jude writes in verse 15, The Lord is coming to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against God. So God will judge these people harshly. Third, these false teachers are licentious. So what does licentious mean? It means without restraint. It's a derivative of the word license. So licentious people think that they have a license to do whatever they want. Jude says it this way. These people turn the grace of God into licentiousness. So licentious believers tend to take advantage of God's grace by saying things like, I have liberty in Christ, or don't judge me. See, the Christian life is a balancing act between legalism and licentiousness. Legalistic believers are the ones that look down on others. They think they're better than you. 
more spiritual than you, more godly than you. They're the Pharisees in the group. They tend to base their Christianity on morality rather than on relationship. Legalistic unbelievers are the worst because they become virtue signalers who cancel you when they should be the ones getting canceled. Remember, Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. On the other hand, licentious believers think that because of God's grace, they're free to do whatever they want. They say things like, I'm under God's forgiveness. Therefore, I can live the way I want. I can live without restraint. And when I do sin, I know I'm forgiven in Christ. And that is true. But here's the problem. Paul said it this way. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. See, licentious people, especially licentious believers, they will use their freedom in Christ, but they'll become slaves to someone else other than Christ or something else other than Christ. A licentious person tends to let the flesh control rather than the spirit. In fact, Paul wrote this, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, and that word is the same word that can be translated licentiousness. So it's an addiction to pleasure. It's a slave to the flesh. Whatever the flesh wants, I will do it. Now we have to be careful of both legalism and licentiousness because we don't want to take advantage of God's grace. So how do we do this? How do we know? Because our freedom in Christ, we have the freedom. We were slaves to sin. Now we're slaves to Christ. And Christ set us free. So we are free. We have liberty in Christ. But how do I know if I'm going on to licentiousness, living without restraint? Well, look at Romans 14. I think this verse helps us know says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat, and he's using eating because it was a stumbling block to the Jews, but it could be anything. Whether or not you should do, think, eat, drink something, you are sinning. If you do it, for you're not following your faith, your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Or in other words, if you do anything that is not of faith, that's what it really says, you're sinning. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now here's the problem. You can easily use what God's telling you personally is a problem and project it onto other people. That becomes legalistic. See, there's a balance here. There's a balance of grace, of living in grace, and then moving over to make everyone do what you think is right. I've seen it. It's harmful. But there's both sides of the story. There's the legalistic side, and there's licentious side. 
We need to live in the middle. And we need to live according to faith. See, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. Let's not take advantage of our freedom. God wants us to enjoy the blessings of life. He gives us good things. In fact, the Bible says all good things come from the Father above. But when we take advantage of those good things, or if we become enslaved, that's the key. If we become enslaved to some things or those good things, then we are moving into licentiousness and we are living ungodly. Now, I think the best way to deal with that is to fast. You know, maybe you're going, am I, whatever it is, maybe I'm becoming licentious, maybe I'm becoming a slave to whatever, then you should fast from that for a while to reveal if that has power over you. An addict would know this. I'm not saying anything new to anybody who struggle with addiction or any type of behavior like that. It overpowers you. And then instead of living in faith, you're living in guilt. Does that make sense? So it's really important. Legalism is bad. And licentiousness is bad. Live in faith. And then finally, the false teachers are apostates. They've fallen away. In fact, Jude says that they deny Jesus. They deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So how can that happen? You might say, but these are teachers Jude's talking about. These are preachers who stand in the pulpit of God. How can they deny Jesus? That's the scariest part of this entire scenario. These people that slip in unnoticed and teach and preach sermons and do seminars and all these things, they could be apostates. They might have written books about Jesus, but they deny Jesus. They deny the faith that was handed down to them. They make things up for their own benefit. And it starts with things that could be innocent, like, I need to grow my church. Or, I need to be politically correct. I don't want to offend people. That's a big one. Because here's the thing. If you don't want to offend people, don't preach the gospel. Because the gospel is offensive to people who don't believe. They say things like, I want to be seeker sensitive. I mean, I grew up in that movement, kind of, as a believer. And there's nothing wrong. Listen, (laughs) we want to reach people with the gospel. But here's the problem. The Bible says, and Jesus said this, the Father seeks those who worship Him. So if we want to be truly seeker-sensitive, let's be sensitive to the Father. Let's be sensitive to Him. Because if we put people above God, that can not only throw you off, but it can throw a ton of people off. That's the sad part about it. It really, to me, boils down to this. It boils down to someone thinking this. I want to be liked by people more than I want to do what God says. It's more important to me to be liked by people than to preach and teach what God says. Because if you want to be liked by people more than you want to stand up and defend the faith, and stand up for the Word of God, you're going to fall, and you're going to bring people with you. And that's what Jude is talking about. 
these people who creep in. Look what Peter wrote. He said, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. The church, generally speaking, is full of sleeping sentinels. And the enemy has crept in unnoticed. Now here's the thing. Are we going to learn from this last year? Are we going to learn that we can't fall asleep? We can't take for granted showing up in a building. We can't take for granted our seat in the church. We can't take for granted the ability to just go places and hug people and be the church in the community. We're going to have that opportunity again, but we can't go back to living like ungodly apostates. We can't fall asleep. We're on duty, every single one. We have to know what we believe, and we have to live what we believe, and we have to stand up for what we believe. We need to stay enrolled in basic training by staying faithful to your Bible teaching church. We need to grow in faith by sharing your faith with others and learning from those whom you trust. We exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ, but you know how you do that? You stick to the user manual. You don't make up stuff because you don't want to offend people or you want to grow your church or you want to do whatever. I don't want to skip over hard stuff. In fact, that's the hard stuff that keeps me humble and keeps me from moving into legalism or licentiousness. A lot of preachers and pastors and teachers, they might not deal with certain passages. And maybe they don't understand it, and that's fine. But don't skip over it because it's offensive. Preach that more. It's important. Listen, we should be living grace by faith, not legalism, not licentiousness. And I know some might try to creep in on notice, but I make this commitment to you. I commit to staying awake spiritually so that I can protect the sheep God has entrusted me. But here's the other part of it. I need you to stay awake too. I need you to be spiritually awake. That's why Paul said, wake up, O sleeper, because it's not the time to be a sleeping sentinel. The army of the living God is counting on you. So what did God say to you today? For me, I came from a background of legalism. I grew up highly legalistic. I'm my worst critic. It transferred over even when I got saved. As I moved into my walk with the Lord, I started to become a legalistic person. I tried to balance that out. But then sometimes I see myself moving way to the other side to licentiousness. And then I have to say, Lord, am I doing this in faith or am I feeling guilty? Because if I'm feeling guilty about this, maybe you don't want me to do this. And that's where the fasting and the prayer come in. So what did God say to you? I want you to write it down and I want you to keep it in your mind because we can't be asleep in our own spiritual walk. We have to be awake. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you woke us up. You didn't wake us up to get back into slumber. You woke us up to stay awake, especially now, Lord, with all that's going on in the world. 
we know, Lord, that we are the ones that have the truth. You've given us the truth, and we need to share the truth. So I pray, Lord, that whatever you said today, Lord, and I know that you've been working on me during this week, too, as I've been going through this message, Lord, that we would not feel condemnation, because that's not of you. But if there's any conviction, Lord, speak to that. Speak to that, Lord. Speak to us. Show us, Lord, that if we're going into legalism or licentiousness, speak to us, Lord, if we're not living by faith, if we're living in guilt. We are not guilty. We are set free. We are under no condemnation. We are in Christ. So, Lord, we just pray that you would keep us on the right track. And we do pray, Lord, that you will lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.